the guy reaching into his uh, jacket and he has like a mouse trap in there. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> just in case. Welcome to Gold, Diamonds, and Death, a James Bond podcast. I am your double O host, Jonathan Watkins. I am a writer for all things under the CinemaSins brand name and a co-host of the Behind the Sins podcast. Joining me in ev- each and every week for this endeavor, he is the co-founder of CinemaSins, co-host of the weekly podcast, Recotopia, huge, huge fan of uh, of Las Vegas. I don't know how many I don't know how many elephants you've uh, done slot machines with, but. Uh, mm. Uh, yeah, that's going to, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. That's a tough question. <laughs> but, uh, he's also one of my good friends, Mr. Chris Atkinson. How are you doing? My Hello, friend? Hello, doing all right. Absolutely. Awesome. We are going to talk about today. We are talking about, as I mentioned, Vegas. That can only mean one thing. Well, actually, well, no, I think this is the only one in Vegas, right? Uh, that can only mean one thing. We are talking about Diamonds Are Forever, the, uh, the final Sean Connery film, at least in the Eon Productions portion of this franchise and um the first james bond film of the 1970s which i think is kind of a big deal because mm-hmm. uh, it was you know a lot of people were curious what james bond was going to look like in the 70s and well here you go uh mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll talk about it uh so yeah so let's go ahead and get into this we are going to go into our first segment where we discuss the behind the scenes stuff we like to call this eon flux This is a journey. I'm gonna make a movie! We have to go back, Kate. Wow. How did you know all that stuff? I did my research. I don't understand any of this. What the fuck is going on? We are gonna scour through the history of Eon Productions, give you all the highs and lows that went into the making of these films. So, Diamonds Are Forever. So, we talked about Honor Majesty's Secret Service last week. I mean, now, I mean, in 2022, we all know how legendary of an actor George Lazenby is. I mean, all the awards... Mm -hmm. Right. All the just the the feats, like, you know, he climbed mountains and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh I think, yeah. I think he like I think he repaired the Statue of Liberty by himself. Like for, right. you know, it's crazy. Uh first time <laughs> three time EGOT winner, yeah, I think. Exactly. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, but no, but seriously, but uh so George Lazenby, we talked about this last week. He was offered a I think it was six or seven film contract. I don't remember it was something crazy. It makes no sense after you watch Honor Majesty. Even though Honor Majesty Secret Service is a really good movie. His performance, mm-hmm. it's kind of odd that they offered this to him. But he turned it down because he was kind of like, I don't I don't think I like acting very much. Mm-hmm. So Sean Connery gets to return. Uh, obviously, uh, there's a little bit behind the scenes of that, but this is Sean Connery's return. Uh, this is his sixth uh, Bond film. It's the seventh film in the franchise. Uh, so it's kind of this weird, like, I don't know. It's it's weird how like I haven't watched. I don't know in my entire life if I've watched Diamonds Are Forever after I watched Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Like I don't know that I've ever watched those in order. Right. And it's weird <laughs> watching mm-hmm. watching like going from uh, You Only Live Twice to Honor Majesty's Secret Service and then to Diamonds Are Forever. It's almost like we kind of go back two steps, maybe forward one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But mm-hmm. uh, but this is what we're having to deal with today. So uh, Connery also, I should say, got a le- got a record at that time salary of uh, one point two five million dollars. So they really yep. wanted him. I don't even know what that would be today, but uh, at that time it was a lot of money. 
I still remember thinking like when in my time that I can remember that being a big deal when Bruce Willis got paid $5 million to do Die Hard, which Mm -hmm. to be fair, he had done like nothing other than television. He was a huge television star, but still it's just crazy to think what people get paid now. Like, well, it wasn't long after that. No, that that people started getting like 20 million, right? 20 million. Yeah. I mean, it was like five years, but that was a lot of to do with the Sony, the weird Sony stuff. Yeah. Cause I think, cause you get, you get into what Jim Carrey and short and Schwarzenegger and people like that. Tom Cruise, people like that. Adam Sandler. Yeah. Mel Gibson. I think, I think lethal weapon four, I think he got like $40 million or something. I mean, something crazy. crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, but people were like, you know, freaking out over Sean Connery getting 1.25 million, which in Mm -hmm. 1970 or whatever this was when they started filming. To be fair too, he didn't take this money either. He uh, donated it to a Scottish trust of some sort. Which I thought uh, was really cool. For artists. Yeah. So yeah, because on top of the 1.25 million, he also got guaranteed uh, back-to-back films that he could Mm -hmm. choose after this was made. Um, I didn't see what the second one was, but the first one. The offense. The offense was was the first one. But that was That's the, the only one. Oh, that was the only. They didn't do the second one. Okay, I guess yeah. I missed that somehow. Yeah, there was a discussion in the behind the scenes about it, and uh, they got they got the offense done, and uh, the guy from United Artists comes on there, and he says, you know, it doesn't matter. We got him back for one one more yeah. bond. That's what that was the main that was the main point. So yeah, I don't think he ever did that. That yeah, second I could, one, I didn't unless so the second either. one was Bond, and I mean the second one was the offense. I don't know. Oh, I got you. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess you could read that a, a few different ways. But yeah, the offense is actually a pretty good movie. It's uh, Sidney Lumet directed it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. really, it's pretty dark. Like he's, uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. He's a, uh, he's a cop, and he is like obsessed with taking down this uh, pedophile. Uh, like mm-hmm. he's like he's trying to get this. He knows this guy is a pedophile and. Like, it's just about him. And so it's kind of a, it's kind of that, like, you know, around that time we had like Dirty Harry, which actually Dirty Harry mm-hmm. came out the uh, same year as Diamonds Are Forever and mm-hmm. uh, actually finished right below it uh, at the box office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you kind of had in the 70s, you had these like kind of uh, the, 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 the different, the, the darker cop movies, I guess, started, which mm-hmm. have now sadly become kind of a scary reality. But uh, yep, yep. So, anyways, get back to Bond. Uh, so, a few, so Sean Connery is not only returning. Uh, Guy Hamilton uh, is back. Uh, Peter yep. Hunt directed uh, Honor Majesty Secret Service. He was offered uh, the job to come back. He was uh, working on another movie, so he said he would come back if they could delay the production. They said they didn't want to do that, so they mm-hmm. were on this kind of two-year. A new Bond film comes out, which they do for quite a while. Uh, I actually I think through License to Kill I think they do every two years and then and then then we get like that six year gap or whatever uh, between that and Brosnan and then of course with uh, Craig it's been all kinds of gaps but uh, yep. so they wanted to stick to that so they got Guy Hamilton back um, which was kind of makes sense because not only do they bring Guy Hamilton back they also bring Shirley Bassey back. Uh, to Mm -hmm. do the theme song. And the original idea was that they were really wanting to kind of go back and capture, I guess, that magic that they considered to be uh, Goldfinger. Mm -hmm. Uh, Richard Maybaum uh, actually, well, originally, before they realized Lazenby wasn't going to do it, they were working on like more of a revenge film where Bond is going after Blofeld because he's uh, out for revenge. Uh, for him killing his wife. Whereas in the final film, that's handled in the first like two minutes and it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
So that was the original. Then when Lazenby wasn't coming back, they decided to go a different direction. So Maybaum is still writing it. He writes an original script that actually had Auric Goldfinger's twin brother yep. uh, seeking revenge for the death of, of obviously, of Auric Goldfinger. Uh, they were going to bring, uh, all of a sudden, I forgot his name, Frober. It's uh, Gert, Gert Frobe. Thank you. Uh, Gert Frobe, they were going to bring him back. And this even got to the point where they kept going through drafts of this. And eventually it became, at one point, Blofeld was going to be Goldfinger's twin brother somehow. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. I don't really, consider we'd already have like two versions that looked nothing like him. I, you know, they, yeah. they were going to bring Gert Frobe back for that as well. Um, so, so they were doing that. And apparently, supposedly what I read and what I read in interviews and stuff like that was that the plot was later changed based on a dream that Broccoli had where Howard <laughs> yeah. Hughes, who's a friend of his, replaced an imposter. Yeah. Or was was replaced by an imposter. Yeah. And this is this is a really interesting dynamic too. I did did you read the stuff about Jimmy Dean and yes. this? Because Jimmy Dean was cause... nervous because he worked for <laughs> Howard Hughes. Is that right? Yeah, he was under contract. He worked at the Desert Inn. Uh, I believe uh, he had a, a residency there, maybe or something like that. And and uh, apparently Hughes also gets he at this time he gets uh, sixteen millimeter versions of Bond films before they're released. Or I something didn't see like that. that. No, that's crazy. Something to that effect. I and mean, maybe Jimmy now maybe Jimmy Dean is just saying like maybe in a world I I don't know, but he's he was worried yes that Howard yeah, Hughes he was, was going to see this and see and say that oh that's I don't like this portrayal of me and he fires him. Yeah, but it's interesting because well and and, and Howard Hughes was all for this by the way. They filmed at some of Howard Hughes uh casinos. Yep. I mean there's there's yep. there's a lot of filming in Vegas and uh, Mhm. Yeah, he was very cool with it. Yeah, he's very cool with it. And all, I got to say, I mean, Jimmy Dean, like Jimmy Dean really isn't playing Howard Hughes, though. Like he's not playing, like he's not. <laughs> no. He's just, he was just replaced by an imposter, but there's nothing about the Jimmy Dean character. Now, the uh, Willard White is the character's name that's supposed mm-hmm. to be the Howard Hughes. Now, the Willard White that gets created by the, by Blofeld, like the, like what Blofeld creates Willard White, he's more of a Howard Hughes. Like they haven't yeah. seen him in three years. For sure, but you would assume if Jimmy Dean was Willard White was actually in that they that wouldn't be the case. I mean, you don't get that mm-hmm. impression from what we see of him. So. Yeah, yeah, and well, and this he's not a he's not a recluse by no. choice. No, really, that's, he's, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, that's the other part of it. So yeah, they have to for Blofeld to pull this off. They have to they have to do this thing uh, where he's a recluse and no one has seen him for like three years or whatever. And, uh, mm-hmm. which also makes you wonder <laughs> yeah. why Willard White's still alive, but that's a whole other thing. I, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, I guess we'll get into that more when we get into the review, but anyway, so that ended up being, uh, where they took off from that. And then actually, uh, Broccoli then goes on to hire Tom Mankiewicz of the, which mm. I, the Mankiewicz clans, I mean, even today we've got like Ben Mankiewicz over at Turner Classic and, uh, mm. Josh Mankiewicz uh, of Dateline fame. These are fame. all related? All people related? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all related. Uh, Joseph Mankiewicz, of course, is the uh, like yeah. the famous uh, director, right? Is that right? Well, he was, uh, I think, mostly a writer. Yes, Citizen yes, Kane. Writer, yeah. Citizen Kane was his big one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, they're all related. I, I can't remember if that's like, like Ben and Josh, which Josh Mankiewicz is on Dateline, maybe most famous now for Bill Hader impressions of him where he, the mm-hmm. you know, but you didn't do that, did you? Uh, and, uh, but there, I think it's, I think he's, I think Joseph's their grandfather, but he could be their uncle. I I can't remember, but there is, they're all related. related. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, Tom Makowitz gets brought in to rework the script. He was partly hired because Broccoli wanted an American writer uh, because he thought British writers wrote terrible American gangsters, which from based on Goldfinger, he might be right. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly don't have a problem with him uh, doing that. And Makowitz is a good writer. So John Gavin, uh, who yeah. I know mostly as the original Sam Loomis uh, from, yeah. from, from Psycho, my, my Twitter handle namesake. Uh, he was originally considered to place Lazenby, so it wasn't Connery at first. In fact, they ended up having to pay Gavin uh, mm-hmm. because I guess they had him contracted long enough. He to was signed. He, he was ready to go. Uh, mm-hmm. Other names that supposedly were mentioned, although I don't know how serious this was, uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, Adam <laughs> West, Burt Reynolds, all three of which, according to what I read, said they didn't think Bond should be an American actor, so they never really took yeah. it that seriously. Robert, yeah. Robert Wagner, which is... Really interesting. We'll get into that later. Sure. Uh, although, it, I mean, it's not, I mean, it has nothing to do with the fact that he would have played Bond, but there's just other relations to Helm that come up yep. later. Yeah. Uh, Michael Gambon supposedly rejected an offer uh, mm. because he didn't feel like he, he didn't want to get in shape for the role, is what I read. Mm, I don't okay. know if that's true, but. Sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. I, I'm not sure. I wouldn't turn down roles because of mm-hmm. that. Like some of these like yeah. Marvel movies and stuff. And I like, know. You have, have to spend to like a you know, whole much time of your life just getting in yeah. shape. And you for can't the movie. eat. Like, I, yeah. I don't, I think like, uh, I don't know. Amy Schumer, I, there, I don't remember if it's stand up or what it was, but she does this great bit about when she went to meet with um, a trainer for some movie role she got. And just the way he, he was like, okay, so. Uh, what I want you to do in the morning is have a smoothie, and then for lunch, I want you to do a diary entry about drinking that smoothie. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just really funny. Uh, I, yeah. But uh, anyway, so uh, Roger Moore also uh, was was approached. They, they've really, really wanted Roger Moore, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was filming a new TV series, though, which I guess didn't last that long. It's called The Persuaders. Uh what little I read of it, uh, it was kind of what they considered to be the last of like the, like the action, like the Saint and Danger Man and those types of TV shows that were coming out around that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was him, and I think Oliver Reed was in it too, but I I didn't write that down, but I'm pretty sure that's what I read. But anyways, regardless, uh, they ended up finally deciding to go with Connery. Uh, he agreed to do it for the 1.25 million. He was also guaranteed two back-to-back films. We at least know he made The Offense. The other one obviously never got made. But other actors in the movie, uh, Charles Gray uh, is the, I guess, third person we see play Blofeld. Um, He's also in You Only Live Twice uh, as a different character, which is is something we do see uh, in in a lot of these films moving forward. They do stuff like this. Yeah, that's a really interesting one, though, because I had had forgotten that Charles Gray played Blofeld Mm -hmm. later on when I saw him in You Only Live Twice. And uh, yeah, he's that guy that uh, Bond connects with when he's, uh, is it in Japan at the time? Yeah, it's in Japan Mm -hmm. at the time. And uh, he's in that uh, whatever that house, and somebody comes in and like stabs him through the through the house or whatever. And yeah, Bond has to <laughs> chase so after. Yeah, and I don't even know how much we talked about him. I know him though uh, as the criminologist uh, in uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's the ah uh, yes yeah. yes. Uh, that's that's who I've always known him as. So anytime I see him in anything else, that's all I can think of is like him mm-hmm. in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um. Putter Smith, who was a jazz musician, uh, he yeah. came on to play Mr. Kidd. 
I I will say up front, I I I kind of love these characters. Uh, oh, I love them yeah. to death. I think they're great. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, uh, yeah. To the point where I'm kind of sad they never came back. Like they killed yeah. them and didn't let them come back. Like we had to have like like which we'll talk about this when we get into the movies. But like Jaws, for instance, is a character mm-hmm. that like. I'm not as big on, I don't, he became like a fan favorite and I don't have anything Mm -hmm. against the actor, but like, these are actually two characters. It would have been awesome to see them come back. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he played Mr. Kid. And then uh, I, we just said two characters. The other character is Mr. Went. Uh, Paul Williams was cast originally, but then he couldn't agree on compensation. Uh, So Bruce Glover, uh, it's interesting the, the Hollywood. And I think we send this in the, in the, I think in the, in the sins video, we made a joke about this because you have Natalie Wood's sister and Crispin Glover's dad are in this movie. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think we kind of made jokes re- referencing like discount Crispin Glover's mm-hmm. or it could be his dad yeah. or whatever. Um, and, uh, so he ended up coming on, which I think I could, I mean, I love Paul Williams. Uh, I am a huge fan of the paradise fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm so glad Bruce Glover. I think Bruce Glover is perfect for this role. I, I and mm-hmm. I think him and uh, Putter Smith play really well off each other. Um, it's definitely implied that they are a couple, which is interesting. Uh, I think more than implied. Oh, I think. Well, yeah, I uh, know. I think it's definitely shown that they are a couple. I mean, they. Uh, yeah. At the first scene where we see them kill uh, the doctor and the blow up the helicopter, when they walk off, they're holding hands and. Uh, yeah. For some reason in my mind, I remembered them skipping. I don't know why I remember, but that's not what happens. But I don't know why yeah. I have that in my mind. But uh, um, they but just, the, I just love, I love the puns, like back and forth. And <laughs> yeah, God. yeah. The, uh, in the behind the scenes, uh, one of the interesting things, and I don't know how, I mean, I don't know how uh, gay relationships have been shown at this point in the early mm-hmm. 70s, but uh, it feels way more progressive than anything that has yeah. come out around this time especially and, in a bond film and they don't even make a real comment on it at all there's no like you know there's no like you know uh, there's not a lot of innuendo even though there's maybe a couple yeah but like uh putter smith in the behind the scenes said something like you know like it's, it's it was pretty obvious that these guys were gay uh, from reading it and it's like you don't have to act gay you just have to tell them tell the audience that they're gay and then you just you know you then yeah. everybody knows that you're gay and so that's what so then there's none of this flamboyant like over the top type of thing that we would see later on you know and no. uh, it's really interesting for a 1971 movie and then uh bruce cabot uh he plays uh burt saxby I love these character names, by the way. I this is mm-hmm. maybe my favorite, uh, other than Plenty of Tool, which is stupid. But yeah. I love these character names. I mean, Tiffany Case, White, mm-hmm. uh, Willard White, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Kent, and Mr. You know, Mr. Went and Mr. Kid. You know, uh, yeah. but Bruce Cabot. This was his final film role. He died, I think. Before I don't know if it was before the movie came out, but he died shortly after mm. uh, uh, this all happened. Uh, and he. He didn't appear to be that old. I don't think he was maybe in his 50s. And then uh, Jimmy Dean, we already talked about. He plays Willard White. Uh, we already mentioned at the time he was an employee of Hughes at the Desert End. Uh, so he was very, he was a little nervous playing playing this role because it was directly you know related to Howard Hughes, even though Howard Hughes obviously behind the scenes was was helping out a lot. So 
Um, Bruce Cabot died at 68. It okay, was a 68. lung lung cancer, uh, lung wow. and throat cancer. He looked good so for it, being it in his 60s. May, may have been a smoker. I don't know, yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. what it said. But yeah. Man, he did not look like he was in his 60s. I would have never guessed that. I would have thought he was like no, me 52 or something. He mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of uh, of uh, Mr. Walton from the, <laughs> the Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> he kind of yeah. looks like him. Uh, Jill St. John uh, ends up playing Tiffany Case. Uh, originally, I believe, I don't know if she... I don't know if she actually got cast, but originally she was going to get the role of Plenty O'Toole. Uh, and then just through, I didn't really see what exactly happened, but uh, she, for whatever reason, they decided to make her uh, Tiffany Case. Uh, she became the first American uh, Bond girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and partly why she was cast, I read, was because she didn't have long hair. <laughs> that was... Okay. It's the stupidest shit about why they cast yeah, some of these people. Really dumb stuff. And Jill St. John uh, is perfectly fine in this movie. There, there's absolutely I'm I mean, she's she does a good job with the role. She's uh has good chemistry with Connery for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh which makes sense because they were they were hooking up behind the scenes. But uh yeah, I don't know. I just some of this stuff is just it's just I don't know. And maybe maybe people do get cast like that still. I don't know, but it Mm-hmm. It's bizarre to like read this stuff and have people like say it like it makes perfect sense that that's why they cast her. Yeah, uh, Lana Wood, Natalie Wood's sister, uh, she was cast as Plenty of Tool eventually. Uh, she claims she modeled her role partially after Minnie Mouse. I don't know that I okay. see that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what's interesting, I will bring this up. I I I know I talked about this way back when we when we send these. I talked about this on Behind the Sins because I found it so fascinating. So. First off, Jill St. John and Lana Wood on set reportedly both hook up with Connery. So they're already kind of having issues with each other because, you know, mm-hmm. they're, you know, Connery's with both of them. And that that could be more of a Connery thing than anything to do with either one of them. But they're having some issues. But then what's interesting about this is Robert Wagner, of course, married to Natalie Wood. This is very famous. You can Google this and I'm not going to get into all the all the theories and and uh, and possibilities, but Natalie Wood dies mysteriously while on a cruise ship, or not a cruise ship, but on a boat. Uh, I know Christopher Walken and Robert Wagner are definitely on that boat. I don't know if anybody else is. I, I don't even remember the whole story myself. Uh, so there's a lot of been, there's been, up to this day, they're still making documentaries. There's a lot of speculation mm-hmm. that Robert Wagner had something to do with it. He's never been charged as far, I don't think he's been charged. I don't, yeah. I don't think even And at the, the time, more and more I hear about it, the more I don't think there was any yeah. chance in hell he had anything to do with it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, and like I said, I, I haven't paid a ton of attention to it, but my wife watches a lot of uh, true crime stuff. So I see, she's watched, like there was a pretty recent documentary like on Showtime or HBO in the last year or two that was, that was called Natalie. I think, and it was just mm-hmm. kind of talking about everything. So I know that ha- that happened, but uh, uh, Robert Wagner, which it's, I mean, I think Natalie Wood dies like around like 1981 or something, 80. Uh, Robert Wagner ends up marrying Jill St. John in 1990. They're still married. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're still married to this day. Uh, yeah. So, and Lana Wood is very much an advocate that Robert Wagner had something to do with her sister's death. So it's just mm-hmm. interesting that they were in this movie together. They had this on-set bullshit with Connery. And then yeah. this continues uh, because Jill St. John, of course, ends up marrying her former brother-in-law. And yeah. uh, I don't know. Just thought that was that was just one of those things that like you can't you can't like I don't even know how you write that. It's just yeah, just um, yeah, just imagine all the weird connections <laughs> if Wagner plays Bond in this. But I, yeah, oh, Wagner yeah, that apparently would be crazier. Wagner apparently knew Jill St. John back when she was like eighteen years mm-hmm. old or something like that. It's like it's been that's how long yeah, that they've they had, known each other. I can't remember if they had. I can't remember if they had if they had actually. I, I don't think they had dated or anything. But yeah, I knew they had they had known each other forever uh, when mm-hmm. they when they got married. 
but yeah, I believe the documentary says that the I think Natalie Wood went out alone on a boat or something like yeah. that. I think that's how that happened. She went out alone, uh, and I can't remember exactly what the, that what it was yeah. after that. But yeah, I shouldn't have but, said anything. You because I just don't know enough. That's why I'm saying I. You can Google um, it or you know you know and and the the problem is also you'll you'll never know if no. you if you think that if you think that there's going to be some sort of like weird evidence that pops up out of nowhere yeah. if you're like true you well, really think Robert Wagner's behind this and also if you wanted to if you wanted to extend this further yeah. to the weirdness Robert Wagner eventually plays number two yeah. in the Austin yeah, Powers that's true. movie that's true so, so yeah. he ends up being a Bond parodies. Uh, mm-hmm. And he also, he plays, uh, he's also interesting, like Heart to Heart is definitely not based on James Bond, but there is kind of a, he's a, he's like a rich debonair, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and he's go, he mm-hmm. gets involved in all these, like he has to solve all these cases and stuff. And, yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, there was a, a cameo uh, that was filmed with Sammy Davis Jr., uh, which is now a deleted scene on a lot of the physical media out there. It was it was definitely on the the Blu-ray I had, but uh, it's yeah. And I don't typically yeah. watch the deleted yeah. scenes. I don't but, know why uh, I did on this one. I was just like, I'm going to watch I, a deleted. Scene. I'm I'm almost certain that it's probably on this disc yeah, that it I watched probably it, is so. uh, because it was filmed. It's a scene with him and uh, I, and I I think he's playing himself, but uh, he's uh, he's playing like craps or something or like roulette or something mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, Bert Saxby comes up to him and is like, hey, man, he might even call him Sammy, so he might be himself, but he's like, hey, man, uh, just letting you know I talked to Willard and uh, on the phone, and he said you hadn't signed your contract yet, which I can't figure out why, like, Blofeld is still, like, running things that way. Like, he's still making mm-hmm. sure, like, <laughs> the talent is signing their contract. Yeah, like, yeah. But, uh, uh, I don't know. But there was a whole scene there, and then James Bond walks in, and they, like, Sammy Davis Jr. said something, like, some joke about, how James Bond looks coming into like yeah. an Amer- yeah, I think it was supposed to be kind of making fun of like, cause that, and I do like this aspect of the movie, although they don't really mess around with it too much, but we've seen Connor, we've seen bond in like all these other casino scenes, right? Like in Monte mm-hmm. Carlo and stuff like that. So it's just interesting to see him like in Vegas, which is a very different, especially in the seventies, very different mm-hmm. casino scene than like something like yeah. Monte Carlo. And so bond kind of sticks out cause he's like all decked out and you know, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It was all right. But I mean, I, I just thought it was interesting that it was happened. I'm, I'm not upset. It wasn't in the movie. Um, yeah. Lois Maxwell almost wasn't in the movie. She, uh, she demanded a pay increase. Uh, so money penny was not in the film, but then there is this scene where she shows up. So I don't, I didn't, I didn't see if they actually agreed to pay her what she wanted, but she does get a scene where she actually gets to be undercover, uh, yeah. which is not a usual thing. Uh, it's, and it is, an absolutely bizarre scene, by the everything way. If it's coming, if it's coming after uh, Honor Majesty's Secret <laughs> Service, everything about it is weird. Like, here's a guy who supposedly lost the love of his yeah, life yeah, in the last movie, yeah. and then, uh, and then she's like, uh, you know, like intimating to him that yeah. she wants him to bring back. I don't know, no, the kind of diamond that comes on a ring. Oh, it's crazy. Blah blah blah, and all this other stuff. It's and I'm crazy. like, dude, that's not that's just too soon. And and then they even reference that this is. I, this is the first time I've seen this since 2006 when I was yeah. watching them all in a row, and I didn't really even pay much attention to the continuity. Uh, but 
I, the, he she he says something like how about a tulip and she's like oh i'll totally take that which is a <laughs> reference to the last movie yeah, as well. it's crazy uh, yeah so i i did I, I, it, it's you, such a weird scene do you remember i, I don't want to use a tangent but what i thought about when i was watching this movie especially early on do you remember that season of 24 where uh, at the end of the season, for some reason, they make some deal like the Chinese. I don't know if it's the Chinese government or if they like make up who it is like, but it's an Asian government wants mm-hmm. Jack Bauer for something like he committed. He was like he he like barged into their embassy. I can't remember what it was. And like mm-hmm. they end up agreeing to send him to like Asian prison. And then the next season starts and like he comes back, they get him back for some reason. He's been like tortured or whatever for the past like year and a half. And he like cuts his hair and then he's fine. Like mm-hmm. that's what I kept thinking. When I was watching this no. movie. It's like, just <laughs> man, going I don't through, even like, know if I horrible... saw that season of 24, huh? but that sounds, ex- I don't think he even saw that season of 24. It was, towards but, the end. Um... It, was it was when 24 wasn't, as good from what I remember yeah, there was I think there was a season that I missed yeah. at some point and I, say, I saw most of them it was but. post season five because I remember after season five it starts getting less good uh, mm. that's a movie that's a show if I ever have the time which I don't know when this will be let's maybe we'll do a 24 podcast but I've always been curious how that show plays now <laughs> but mm-hmm. that, that, yeah. I've always been because I because I mean I loved that show I know you did too mm-hmm. for like mm-hmm. I think Jeremy did too for at least the first few seasons oh, like I we, watched it we every would talk episode. about it yeah, every week I was glued uh, to watching that. But yeah, that was that was when it started getting a little insane. Was when he was just all of a sudden he was recovered from like a year and a half of being tortured by the you know the Chinese government or whatever. Uh, anyways, um, very different than losing a, a wife. But I'm just I don't know. It was just the idea of just coming back so quickly. Um, I I don't know. But uh, as so that's kind of it for the cast. All this was. Uh, pretty much shot in the U.S. There was actually a reason for that. Um, Hamilton had, like, pissed off some Union people or something when he was shooting hmm. this movie called The Battle of Britain. So they okay. sh- so they just, they just let him shoot in the United States so he didn't have to deal with that. Uh, there was okay. some stuff done at Pinewood, but it was very little. Most of it was done mm-hmm. in Vegas, including the South African stuff was in the desert yeah. uh, outside of Vegas, uh, as was, I think, the moon stuff, the... Uh, oh God, the moon stuff. Um, yeah, uh, we already mentioned Howard Hughes was a friend of Broccoli, so most of the hotel scenes were ones he owns. So maybe that's true about the and, may, and maybe I didn't miss here. He was probably getting Bond sixteen millimeter Bond films to watch probably. before the movie even came out. Then so that really actually happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably did. Uh, he was most of the hotel. A lot of the hotel scenes are ones that he owns, but they also the Las Vegas Hilton. Uh, that was the white that doubled for the White House. And, uh, which there's like a 10 minute segment of this movie that feels like a commercial for circus circus. And apparently Mm. that guy was a huge bond fan, the guy who owns circus (laughs) circus. So that he let them just come film the circus stuff. I don't think he charged them. Like he was just like, yeah, come on. Yeah. So they were able to, that, that's why you get all this stuff in this, in the circus circus, including as we've already mentioned, the elephant, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, pulling the slot machine. That that's that scene, by the way, is just I know like when you when you're making these, you don't want to you're trying to make something that's fun and you put in some jokes and all that is that's full blown naked gun yes. type stuff. Oh, that's parody. Like, that makes yeah. no sense that, that's like, that it's in there. That's like 1967 Casino Royale. Like that's that's mm-hmm. a scene that would have been in that movie. Right. Yeah. And like you would have yeah. had. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, 
uh, I thought it was interesting too. Uh, the the set that was Tiffany Tiffany's house. It wasn't a set; it was a house, but it was Kirk Douglas's house. Oh, really? Yeah, that he owned out there. Uh, the movie also had to make a deal with Ford because they needed to film a bunch of car crashes. Uh, so Ford apparently was fine with that, but they demanded that Connery be driving the 1971 Mustang Mach 1. The only reason I mentioned that is my first car was a 1971 Mustang, so I thought that was really cool. I did not have the Mach mm-hmm. 1, but uh, mm-hmm. I did have a 1971 Mustang. That was my first car. It was my dad's first car, and nice. uh, he kept it and uh, had it restored for me, so that was really cool. Uh, the NASA Lunar Rover... Uh, which was the moon scene we were talking about. Uh, that was custom built uh, so they could actually make it drive faster. I guess the actual, and they also had to change the tires because uh, all the heat in Vegas from the sand and stuff was uh, melting or not melting, but it was causing a lot of issues uh, mm. with the fiberglass. So they had to, they had to, they had to custom built that. So that's why if you're thinking that like, there's no way that would go that fast. Well, it wouldn't. Um mm-hmm. The crazy stunt with the Mustang jumping the ramp, uh, I read, resulted in a few cars getting wrecked by the original stuntman. <laughs> huh. So they only had one working car left. So they just went ahead and called this other guy in that that one of them knew, and he pulled it off with no issue. <laughs> uh, also, this is interesting because I didn't know this when we send it because I don't know why I would have come across this. But uh, we send, of course, because there's a huge continuity error in this movie where mm-hmm. the car flips up on its side to go down an alley and then it comes yeah. out on the other side. Mm-hmm. But from what I understand, they based, they filmed it both ways or something. And then instead of using, I don't know if there was just something wrong with part of the shot. So then they kind of, they kind of put them together. So uh, they had an American stunt team try to do it and they, and they didn't, the, the, that American st- stunt team couldn't do it. So then they got a French stunt team to come out and do it. Yeah. And they came out on the wrong side. Yeah. And when they were shooting, they were showing the dailies. Guy Hamilton said, I don't give a shit. It's the car's yeah. on two wheels. It doesn't matter if it's on the wrong side or not. Yeah. But then they decided to put in that stupid shot that's in the <laughs> middle of it. Yeah, where exactly. Where they're making it seem like all in one weird motion that it goes from left to right, which is impossible in itself. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know how we ended up framing that sin, but like yeah. that, that's supposed to explain why that happens and you can't make your car go from two wheels on one side to another very smoothly like that but they do that in the movie to to explain the continuity error or fix it or whatever whatever we send it 50 years later guy hamilton can get over it um that's right he can eat a dick (laughs) (laughs) he should have taken more time yeah. Uh, there's also a deleted scene that shows uh, why, because one of the confusing things in the movie is that Plenty O'Toole dies at Tiffany's house. They don't know each other as far as we know. But what you find out is there's a whole sequence where uh, Bond and Plenty O'Toole are going to go upstairs to hook up in his room. Uh, Tiffany Case is there and her goons, uh, one of which is played by Sid Haig, which I think yeah. is who becomes famous later, uh, the late Sid Haig now, but became famous later for being in a bunch of Rob Zombie films. But um, they throw her off the roof where she lands in this pool and somehow survives. It's ridiculous. I, the, mm-hmm. the fact that people think you can land in a pool from that far up and survive most is, is at least at least she would have like a broken ankle or something. But anyways, mm-hmm. uh, she apparently comes back up to get her clothes and while she's and this scene doesn't make a lot of sense. While she's in there, she gets irritated because she sees that Tiffany Case and Bond are having sex, so she's kind of peeved. 
and she goes and looks in Tiffany Case's purse and finds her address and then decides to go to her house to, like, confront her. It doesn't make any sense. So I kind of see why they took it out, but also it's very confusing (laughs) as to why she's the one dead in the pool. Yeah, apparently also they shot that with a stunt woman at Mm -hmm. first and for part of it, and then it was Lana Wood for a lot of that, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of that stunt. And you're talking about when she's, she's dead in the pool or when she gets thrown off when she's getting thrown. Oh, okay. Um, there's a, uh, apparently like, you know, she's being thrown off and she's basically naked is what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And, and like, um, the, they were like, Oh, it's going to be at night. Nobody's going to be looking at the pool. And it's like, you're talking about Vegas. Yeah. Everybody's watching. Oh. So like everybody was watching yeah. when they were doing that stunt. Of course. And then they actually, I actually read too. She was, uh, she was partially cause she dies in Tiffany Case's pool, uh, where they've like tied her to the bottom or like with a, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, she was actually tied down there. They just had it. I guess they had the water level to where, in between takes she could raise up and like get a breath but i thought that mm-hmm. was interesting because like that would yeah i don't even think they do that now because that would be terrifying no. no they wouldn't do that well even if somebody asked me like can we tie your no you can't fucking tie my feet mm-hmm. to a goddamn weight there's no way um yeah. so yeah so that's pretty much that uh diamonds are forever it came out december of 71 uh it would grow on to gross 116 million worldwide 43 of which was in the u.s it was it was a big hit um finished mm-hmm. fifth at the U.S. box office, uh, made a little more than Dirty Harry, made a little less than this movie called Summer of 42, which I've heard of, but I've never seen. Same. Yeah. Other three movies that were ahead of it, uh, French Connection, obviously, uh, Billy Jack, which I know that was a really popular movie that I've hmm. never, I, I don't like it, but I mean, I guess at the time it was something that people enjoyed. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof, which I've never seen, that was the number one movie that year by a lot. Uh, I've seen it, but I didn't realize it was that yeah, that huge. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, yeah, people really wanted to. Uh, the guy, the main guy in it, is that one of those one name actors. It's like Topal or something. So I guess mm-hmm. I guess people yeah, were really yeah. into him that year. They were like, "Look, mm-hmm. we love Topal." Uh, French Connection, of course, wins uh, the Best Picture Oscar that year, though. Uh, movie mm-hmm. got decent reviews when it was released. It was all kind of of the level of. This is really silly, but I'm having fun. Uh, Roger Ebert was a big proponent of it. He didn't like love it, but he just said it was a lot of fun. Uh, Mm. He said he liked all the silly stuff like the moon car, and he liked the Las Vegas car chase. Talk about a scene that makes to where there's like at one point there's no traffic, which Mm -hmm. even on Fremont Street, I don't believe that. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, now they have some of that closed off, so I would believe it now, but I don't think they did then, but I could be wrong. Uh, no, and, uh, they did have it closed down. Uh, they, um... Well, they had it closed they, down for the shoot, but I'm saying, did they have it closed down? Oh, I mean, yeah. you mean if, like, this happened in real life yeah. or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, they, that, that was one thing, though. Uh, yeah, I don't think they would, but, uh, they had to shut down Vegas for five days, yeah. basically. It's yeah. like broccoli and, uh, either broccoli or Saltzman, apparently, you know, because they knew people were able yeah. to get that done, I'm sure uh, Howard Hughes uh, factored into that. I'm sure he did. <laughs> That's great. I had, I had, and I honestly didn't know that. Like, I guess I had known that Willard White was supposed to be I mean, like the, the Blofeld version of Willard White. I guess I kind of knew it was supposed to be Howard Hughes, but I had no idea that Howard Hughes was like actually a person that they knew. And, yeah, know, I didn't I, either. I mean, I don't like, I, I don't know a ton about Howard Hughes though. So I guess that's not that crazy. Uh, it did get negative reviews uh, as well. Uh, Gene Siskel was one of the ones I saw that really hated it. Uh, he, mm. he had nothing good to say about it. This is also, from what I've seen, 
maybe you only live twice is kind of like this too but this is also one of the rare bond films from these early ones that has gotten more of a negative appraisal as it's gotten older uh Mm -hmm. most people don't like it now um so it it still has a holds a rotten tomato score of 66 which isn't terrible that's probably fair but uh but I just thought that was interesting because most of them, it seems like everybody likes them more now than they did then. This one is like the opposite. Like it seemed to be kind of a success at the time and people enjoyed it, but then now people don't really seem mm-hmm. to care for it. Uh, it was nominated for an Academy Award for uh, for Best Sound. All right. Uh, so yeah, so that's kind of it. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about on the behind I don't the think so. Don't think so. All right. So that kind of sets us up. So now we're going to go to a segment we like to call a review to a kill. I've got you in my sights. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. What we've got here is failure to communicate. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. Why don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've heard this shit before. Uh, We're going to give you our thoughts on whatever film we are discussing this week. This week, we are discussing Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds Are Forever is a movie that... My opinion changes on it as I watch it, while I talk about it. It's it's a it's a it's a weird one. Um, I don't think I can ever quite get to like, <laughs> but uh, it's even like I would say even though it's not, it's definitely I would say it's the worst of the Connery films that we've seen. You only mm-hmm. live twice would be in that conversation, but I think it's probably the worst. But it might be more watchable or at least it might have i think it has like a like it's not as good as thunderball it's not as good as dr no but it's it it's a lot easier to watch as a whole if that makes sense like it just Mm -hmm. it has a better it just has a better flow to it i guess uh yeah that's kind of my kind of my my initial two cents on it what what do you think about this film uh i i don't like it very much yeah um there's I, there are there are characters i like and i like jill st john a lot yeah i this. think she's I just, good she's that's she's uh she's just uh, that's my type of gal basically yeah no, um, I got you. uh but uh a lot of things plot wise about this movie are like all over the place mm-hmm. for me I know that they really wanted to have that elevator fight with him and the real Franks mm-hmm. uh, that's in that's in this movie, um, but I, I don't know why he allows him to go all the way in there in the first place. Yeah. Like, why doesn't he just? Because he's pretending to be making out making out with someone <laughs> outside while Franks <laughs> hits the button and so then weird. says and then says his name and everything to Jill St. John upstairs and like. And I know that later he's able to pop in James Bond business card yeah. or something to make it seem like he killed James Bond, but like that's not even necessary at this no. point because he's already proven with his fingerprints that he's Franks. And so like I'm sitting there just going, I, I understand you wanted an elevator fight scene, but you could have just taken him out outside and it would have been the same mm-hmm. same deal or whatever. Maybe he's worried about law enforcement showing up. I don't know, but uh, he, he allows a lot of this type of stuff to happen. I don't know if all the stuff they do to get the diamonds and, and I mean, I understand, I guess I understand like there's so many things about these diamonds and what's going on and who's, who's, uh, working for who that kind of confuses me throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Blofeld is, uh, ha- has been doing this smuggling thing for a while and it just so happens to be the end of the line where he has got enough diamonds that he needs. So now he's killing everybody involved. 
involved with it. So that's why he needs uh, Mr. Kid mm-hmm. and Mr. Went mm-hmm. to show up. I guess that's the reason why that happens. But it's like, what doesn't make sense is that by the time they get to the school teacher. Oh my God. I hate that person, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I do too. They get to the school teacher and she she welcomes them like they're the ones that have always shown up with the diamonds. Yeah. Doesn't she get doesn't she get a visit from the people who actually bring the diamonds? She's the only one that seems to know who went and kid yeah, are. No, she acts like she knows them. I the re- I I mean obviously the actress is fine. I just she's like a teacher, the character is a teacher and she does that thing where she like that teacher thing where you over enunciate everything and it just, it always drives me yeah. crazy. So like that's her entire yeah. like two minute performance is her mm-hmm. just like, you know, over enunciating every like, Oh, where are we going this time? Yeah. 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 Amsterdam. So, like, lovely. You know? So, so a lot of that, a lot of that stuff at the beginning, like I'm like, okay, I guess went and kid are playing are, are, are working with mm-hmm. Blofeld. And I guess these other guys have been working with Blofeld, but nobody knows who went and kid are until they run into the school teacher mm-hmm. in in uh, the Netherlands. So I'm like, okay. Um, and then there's that whole thing where they have the fake diamonds that they they put inside mm-hmm. uh, f- uh, the real Frank's body, which like I think we talked about this. Like, what were they gonna do if they didn't have the real Frank showed up? Because the real Franks had to break out of his prison or whatever yeah. to get to get to to get to this place. It's like, what were they gonna do to smuggle them in before? Not to, like, not to mention that chandel that chandelier or whatever. The way they hide the diamonds, that's ridiculous. Like, why would you mm-hmm. go through all that trouble? Like, just I mean, how is and hiding then, a suitcase under a bed not a better solution than <laughs> than like building yeah. a chandelier that you've got to it's now take they, apart? Yeah, yeah, it's where they least suspect it. And then the real diamonds themselves end up getting picked up by Q somewhere in all this. Yeah. I don't even know where that happens. Yeah, I, and I, I didn't puts understand it in a plush that at all. Toy and, all that and they 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 obviously need to have the fake ones so that they can go to the wherever that leads them next. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Well, and it ends up saving Bond's life too somehow, which is ridiculous. Right, right, yeah. And 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 you have this, you know, you have this shady tree guy oh. that shows up and like it's like the the. The, the whole the whole thing is like the fake diamonds the real diamonds who's working for who who's doing that who's doing what um because like uh when when went and kid try to kill bond i guess they're trying i guess they're assuming that that he's got the real ones the real diamonds yeah. so they just have to kill him and and like it's for a while there it looks like shady tree and went and kid are not a part of the same team i don't even know why you need shady tree there i don't know by the way doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense but then he find then he lucks into seeing him in the newspaper he's a comic a stand-up comic that shows up at at uh, the white house yeah he's like <laughs> a mafia guy and he's also like george burns it's the or yeah. like don rickles or something it's the yeah it's kind of like that and he's he's obviously got this really old tired act that he does same jokes over yeah. and over and over and over again but like uh like i i just if you've got went and kid i don't even know why you even bother with all these other people unless you're just unless you're just um uh, unless you're just you've got to have a lead of some sort and that's the only reason why they ha- they put him in there so uh so there's a lot of weird stuff i think it's probably something too like blofeld had to kind of start making his like i guess he had to kind of create some kind of something going on in vegas and maybe he had to work with some of the like mobsters and stuff to kind of get you know to the point that he got it to and then he started killing them off yeah. i don't know i think blofeld's a huge problem in this movie i think blofeld being the being the willard white 
mm-hmm. impersonator is a problem because it's insane. Like Connery yeah. in the pre-credit sequence, he's getting his revenge. And Blofeld obviously is not the. I'll go ahead and say this: Blofeld is not the villain in the book because the book is before they even introduce Blofeld in the novels. It's a completely mm-hmm. different villain in in the in the novel. But the idea that Connery or that Bond gets his re- thinks he gets his revenge on Blofeld in this really terrible, terrible yeah. pre-credit sequence. Maybe the worst it's pre-credit really sequence. It's, it's really so bad. bad. Everything about it is horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, like even like the way it's shot, just uh, it's just bad. Well, like, yeah, he's not. He's they they don't show him. Like I guess I guess this is like it's on purpose that they're they're doing that where they don't show Bond at all, but they show the oh, people he's so interrogating. Yeah. And like a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff is just bad in, in principle. The action is bad. Like, dude, at the beginning, it's just thrown at an impossible well, angle into this room. Then, then he goes and's like, "Where's Blofeld?" And he says, "Cairo," but he doesn't say. Yeah. You can see the actor is not saying <laughs> no, Cairo. Not at all. Um, and uh, and then you know, then he goes to Ky- he goes to Cairo and he finds the guy who's gambling and he says, "Hit me!" And of course, the guy yeah. Bond is right behind him when he says that, and he tells him to see some girl, and then yeah. and then. Then he 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 pulls her bikini top off. Oh yeah, let me get and, something like, off your chest. Wraps it around her yeah. and asking where. It's just you know I understand you're looking for revenge, but that's a a really shitty way to so, do it. And then and then it it's like and then I guess Blofeld is kind of like Blofeld is creating all these other Blofelds. Like at first, like in the plastic surgery thing comes up, I'm thinking, oh that makes sense because Blofeld looks different. But then it's not that. Mm-hmm. It's just that he wants other people to look like him. And so Bond comes in the middle of that, ends up thinking he kills Blofeld, but I guess he kills one of the one of the people that yeah. have had plastic surgery, and then mm-hmm. gets put on a case randomly yeah. that Blofeld ends up being behind. <laughs> yeah. It's so dumb. I mean, it just yeah. I, there is nothing about that. Like I cannot like even if I enjoy parts of this movie, like the central storyline, I, I I will never be able to get my head around like it just it doesn't work like on a fundamental level it just doesn't work like it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. and then when he confronts Blofeld he's not even like that weird about it like he's just like oh well I guess Blofeld pulled another one on me once Mm -hmm. again just we're not even going to mention that like we're not even going to deal with any kind of uh, psychological you know stuff that's got to be going on after he lost his his wife the day he married her Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, he's really quick to just start hooking up with. Yeah, it's just completely it just yeah. swept it under the rug. Completely. It's crazy. And then, but then and then make Blofeld, like I said, then make Blofeld be who and like that's what I'm saying. Like in M and MI6, they have no idea that's Blofeld. They think it's Willard mm-hmm. White is the is yeah. the person. So yeah, they think it's the Jimmy Dean guy. Uh, but, well, and this is another part of the movie too. Like you're not really supposed to follow every single detail of these movies. You're just supposed to kind of be like, okay, well, this is where we're at now and whatever. But man, they do that. They do that technique that uh, confused a lot of people in Mission Impossible mm-hmm. when John Voight is talking about what really happened at the yeah. the mission that that blew up in their faces and and Cruz is sitting there thinking about what actually happened while Voight is telling his lie about what happened. And so, like, you're sitting there going, what the hell is going on? And then you realize, oh, that's what it is. So they do that in this Bond movie as well when the guy is talking about the diamond operation and he's talking about how they smuggle the diamonds or they're they're wondering how the diamonds are smuggled yeah. out. And so he's telling this, like, well, you know, we, we, we assume that there's some smuggling and blah, 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 but we've got, you know, uh, we could understand, we could, we could 
could uh, deal with that. Uh, by the way, we also have like a full dental, full medical, blah, blah, blah. And while they're saying the full dental, you see these guys coming in, oh my God. like getting dental work yeah. and they're getting diamonds pulled out of their teeth. And that's how they stay. So it's like a lot of this stuff is like the, what the guy is saying and what we're seeing on screen and often yeah. contradict each other. Yeah. So you have to kind of go through with that. And then you have to, like I said, that the trip that these real diamonds and the, the fake diamonds go through, through this whole thing, just like, just insane to me but yeah no um, i agree i agree and then making blofeld behind it all just yeah just coincidentally <laughs> yeah it's and, gonna and, be and like your arch nemesis oh yeah and he he's just found this like where does he even have time to do this also like if we're if we're looking at uh blofeld and his his past the past couple of movies which are even though the books are in different order the movies are saying this is all in order yeah when does Blofeld have time to hang out in oh, Vegas and, and, and he's, been, years, he's right? had he's had to yeah he's had to been doing this for several years. Meanwhile, he was also in Switzerland the whole time yeah. uh, in this last movie, and he was on this stupid like whatever base it was in in uh, You Only Live Twice. <laughs> so like there was a, there, there's how does he? How, I mean, they could easily you know what I know that a a, a producer can sit there and just say there are many Blofelds like it's yeah. Santa Claus or something like you know blah blah blah. He those are his lieutenants you know and yeah. all that and but uh, but it seems like Blofeld has a lot of time on his hands to just go to. And like, oh, by the way, Walter White, Walter White, Willard White is this guy who he's a recluse. So you can take over his identity if you want to and like pretend to be him with this vocoder thing yeah. or whatever, this voice, this voice changing thing. Like, how do you find that out? And then how do you install yourself into that? You know, it's during this. It's just a lot of stuff going on. That I, I, do, no I do like how Bond throws that back on him, though, and does the whole like where he pretends he's uh, he's Bert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, I don't know. I don't think I don't think we did this in the Sins video, but I think Bert showing up to White's uh, like summer house mm -hmm. doesn't make sense because no, because it was Blofeld who told Bond who he thought was Bert mm -hmm. to come out and and kill White. And later on, he just shows up. And I guess they could have said that, you know, like Blofeld gave that order and then made sure to call him later and tell him again or something. I don't know. But yeah, cause I, it seems like it seems like Bert shows up, even though he shouldn't know at that point to go yeah, kill White. Because he's the one that tries to kill Bond. I get the impression that uh, Blofeld, I mean, I don't think they do a good job of explaining it. I read that as, though, because Bam, Bambi and Thumper, who we haven't even mentioned yet. Yeah. Uh, these two women yeah. that are uh, seeing over Willard White, uh, they are like ready to attack Bond. So like I get the impression Blofeld didn't buy it or figured out pretty quickly that it wasn't him. But it like they don't show that. Like maybe there's a deleted scene where he calls Bert or Bert calls it later. It could be, but it also it also could be that they're attacking anybody who goes to that section of the house. Some stranger is just yeah. showing up in the house. That's true. So. That's true. And if it had been Bert, they might have been like, "Oh, okay, it's you. You're." Good. But I think the movie is saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, Bert knows to go kill uh, Willard White," and it's like, "Uh, he 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 told Bond who he thought was Bert Saxby that." And we haven't even mentioned either Blofeld. I mean, the whole thing he wants to do with the diamonds. The only reason, as far as I could figure out, he's using of the diamonds is he wants to build this like space laser that he yeah. can like he can he can destroy any place he wants to destroy from space 
Yeah. And so he's going to use that basically to, you know, have the U.S. like kind of bend to his, you know, like, yeah. he, like he kills, he destroys that submarine or whatever. And I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so yeah. dumb. And why wouldn't you just like take all the diamonds and then completely screw up like the diamond supply, you know, going into the, I mean, that would be a way, you know, I don't know. But, Which is funny because that's exactly the what they do in, uh, was it License to Kill or was it? Yeah, uh, I, think, they, uh, <laughs> I think so. I think they that's do right. it in that. I, th- I think that's what it's one of those. There's another movie where they're trying to, um, they're trying to like wipe out the diamond well, industry I mean, or whatever. Goldfinger does. No, it's do Goldfinger. That. Yeah, it's Goldfinger. Yeah, Goldfinger that does, does that, that yeah. with the gold. They want to. They want to poison all the gold basically in in Fort Knox. It, is it licensed to kill? There is some diamond like stuff, that? like in I believe it's licensed to kill. I think you're right. Uh, there's, yeah. Oddly enough, there's some stuff in the novel that definitely gets used in licensed to kill, which is interesting. But yeah. um, I mean, even if you look past like the elephant and uh, the car chase, which is terrible, and the mm-hmm. openings, I mean, there, there's all these things that are so dumb, like the guy reaching into his uh, jacket and he has like a mouse trap in there, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's just yeah. like so many things <laughs> like that, just in case somebody <laughs> yeah. wanders around yeah. your hand, like gets a little too I handsy. Want, there's a mouse trap. I know. I want the scene where Q is explaining to Bond why they made that. Like mm-hmm. this is just in case you know they go for yeah, your they, gun. It, if they pat you down, then well, then the jigs up immediately because they know that you're that you're hostile to them. So uh, I'm trying to think. Of, uh, I forgot to mention. Uh, it, well, I should have mentioned this. The other thing, uh, Felix Leiter's back because we're in the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. Norman Burton plays him this time. I, I really like. That's one thing I've discovered watching these movies is that I don't really care for. I think we've already talked about this, but Felix Leiter's such a nothing yeah, character. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah. I know it's crazy. Yeah, I don't even know why they had him, but uh, well, and then there, there, that's the another one that that's a really weird uh, introduction, reintroduction to his character oh, at because, the airport. Yeah, because Connery <laughs> shows up and like they have the body of Frank's there. Yeah, and like um, and there's a guy who's going over to inspect the stuff, <laughs> but. Felix Leiter just happens to be at the airport and he's got the power to tell that yeah. guy to go on, go to lunch or something. Yeah. Like, I guess, I guess a CIA guy can go in and pretend I guess. to be some, like, I don't know. this guy's like, yeah, no problem. I've never seen you before, but I'll go <laughs> over to lunch. Why not? <laughs> also, I, I, I had written down to the, the Baja thing, which we said this, I know we did, but the fact that like, uh, Blofeld took the time to, to, to add that Baja location on yeah. uh, Willard White's, like, had, Willard White has, like, this visual map. I don't know what this is supposed to be. It's, like, you saw these around this time. Like, I know, like, in, like, one of the Superman movies, this is a big, I think it's Superman 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just these crazy, like, bad guy layers, and they have these, like, physical, like, maps where they have, like, models and stuff. Mm-hmm. And for and some it's all reason. all built on the floor. Yeah. And <laughs> Blofeld adds this Baja thing, so Willard White can be like, wait a second, I don't have anything in Baja. Well, and, and, like, and not only, and not only the fact that he added it there, but the fact that, bond goes through that whole spiel like he could be anywhere <laughs> yeah. from new york to yeah. this to from florida to california to blah blah to baja he didn't have to go <laughs> so far into this but when he says baja that's when like oh wait a minute i don't have anything in baja jimmy dean but, I, oh yeah J- and jimmy and jimmy dean bless his heart man he yeah these he has some really tasty restaurants though but uh yeah he uh yeah he's not great uh mm-hmm. it's not i mean I don't think that character, I don't know who could have played that character and it would have been great. And he does actually have some funny moments. Like, yeah, I like when he's, he's yelling at the, the, the guy he's talking to on the phone. That's like at the space center or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
So there is some stuff yeah, like that. If there are any problems with Diamonds Are Forever, he's like among <laughs> the least of them. Exactly. So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, which speaking of License to Kill, that makes me think about how Wayne Newton is in License to Kill. But um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, this is our review of License to Kill. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, Diamonds Are Forever, it's not good. I don't like it. I do weirdly find it watchable, though. Like, I, I wouldn't put it at the very bottom because I think there are movies that are hard. I think there are movies that are way harder to get through than this yes. one. There's not a, there's, I'm not bored. Like, I'm never, I'm never not, I'm not necessarily, I don't know if I'm interested, but I'm not, I'm not like super uninterested in what's going on. I like Jill St. John. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Bruce Glover and uh, what was it? Putter. Putter Smith. Putter Smith, I, 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 they're great. Like I don't even know how to explain how much I love them. I, I, am so sad. This is their only Bond film, and they mm-hmm. get like the Same. worst send off too. That's terrible too. They that do, game at the yeah. end. And oh, as smart yeah. as they've been, the whole movie, they are so dumb in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, the the fact that Bond realizes it's him because of the aftershave is stupid, and that's mm-hmm. not their fault. But I still think just the way they act and they give themselves away way too quickly, and it just well. And, and then also, he comes at him with the with the flaming shish kebab. Yeah, the shish kebab things. Yeah, and he's able Jesus to spray Christ. wine on him or whatever. And it, this also is probably the number one most exasperating. Um, why don't they just kill Bond? Oh uh, yes, movie oh, there is so that far. Thing where they, the burial. There's a, is that there's a about? lot. There's a lot of why don't they just kill Bond? And they, of course, again, I've I've mentioned this before. They say this and they do this in Austin Powers a bunch because the uh, the uh, Seth Green character is always saying, "I'll just get a gun and I'll just shoot him right now." Yeah. This yeah. one of all of them, maybe. I mean, it, it adds like ten to fifteen minutes yeah. to the picture too. First off, Blofeld tells him to go in this elevator. Uh, and it goes in the elevator, oh, yeah. and there's gas. Some there's, there's all this gas. It knocks him out. So then you have Went and Kid show up and pick him up and put him in the trunk, and then they drive him off somewhere. And they're like, "All right, we're gonna put him in this pipe." That I guess we know sense. we know that this construction is going on, and we can put him in this pipe. And then the then in the morning, the you know the construction team without looking puts this pipe down into the ground. And then there's like some weird mechanical robot thing that shows up later on mm-hmm. that's supposed to run over him or shock him or something. Um, it it of all we we've seen Went and Kid like blow people up like immediately in this. And every time Bond shows up, Blofeld like has seen now Bond get out of situations numerous times. And at this point, why do you want him to just stay around? Why do you, why do you want him to get a have a chance well, and they, anymore? And, and when they were already going to kill him at the beginning, they were putting him in the incinerator, and he was exactly. going to die then. So it's like, why that's the are thing you, they why are you talking every, to him? That's the thing. Every time they're about to just kill him, and especially in that very first scene, the dude is about to come out of the that goop, and he's about to shoot him. Before you know Bond, because he's yeah. he's always aware that there's a gun being pointed at him. He gets he gets he gets that uh, uh, he stops it. But the that's the thing they do a lot in these movies where it's like, okay, we were going to kill you here. Now for some reason we're going to tell you what's going on, and then we're going to take we're going to kill you. But it's going to not it's not going to be immediate. It's going to be something we put you into, and then that's going to kill you. And, of course, you're going to get out. And then it, he gets out once again in this movie, and there's, he's still just talking to Bond later on. Like don't like when the, uh, the balloon comes down into the water 
at the very end, they're like, nope, don't shoot. <laughs> Hold your fire. Yeah, it's Why? crazy. Why? Well, and why do they bury him where they bury him? They have an entire desert. And yeah. they bury him in this one location where he will have air and he will mm-hmm. potentially be able to escape because they're in this whole pipe system, you know? Yeah. I actually wrote this line down, too, where he where the people unscrew the... Because he somehow he breaks that machine. So then that gets the, the people that work on the construction site. They have to show up and find out why that machine got broken. And when they yeah. open the thing, he pops out. He says, mm-hmm. I was just out walking my rat and I seem yeah. to have lost my way. That, because it, he talks to a mouse, too, by the way. The dumbest, like, it's one of the dumbest lines it's, ever. It's terrible. And those people, by the way, those people aren't saying the lines no, that are... No, they're not. That, that happens a lot complete, in these movies complete we found ADR. Out. It's so... It, it's hard to get around it, though. Like, I know, it's crazy. They're saying things, like, it's like clearly saying things, and these people are just kind of like, they got their mouth shut the whole time. There's this Roger Ebert review I've always remembered. Uh, he, when he reviewed, the, there was that movie with Cindy Crawford and I think William Baldwin. It was called oh, Fair, uh, Fair Game. Game. It was William or Steven. I think it was William, wasn't it? I don't know. It this matter. was William, yeah. But Cindy uh, Crawford plays like this lawyer and she's uh, she she gets wind of something. And then so these bad guys have to kill her because she has this information. And they're trying to kill her the whole movie. Like they try, they blow up her house, they shoot at her, all this stuff. And then when they finally get, I remember Roger Ebert talks about this in his review and he like details all this. And then when they actually have her in front of them, they talk to her, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what this is. And that's a problem with a lot of movies like this. I mean, Bond is not the, it it might be the, it's not the first, it's definitely not the last to have this issue. And it's not the only one. No, it's not the only. But but the problem, the problem for me is, is that, the same villain he's running into the same yeah, villain yeah, yeah, it's crazy. over and over and over again and every time there's like there's a there's a moment where insta kill is okay and then right yeah. after the insta kill they're like no nah, we're not going to insta kill you anymore we're we're going to put you in a thing now yeah and then he escapes that and it's like well maybe i should stop putting him in these contraptions at this point and again, Austin Powers covered this territory. Everybody's covered this yeah. territory before. But in this movie in particular, it was the most it's exasperating. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Up to this point, definitely. This is the one where it, it makes less. Because like you were talking about the elevator. Before the elevator, he has him trapped in this room where he mm-hmm. could probably just kill him or something. Yep. I, it's just there's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But instead, tell, tells him to go ahead and go to the bathroom if he needs to. Because he's yeah. apparently... And, he's apparently and, in a bathroom. And also the so whole dumb. that whole that whole laser depends on a fucking cassette tape, man. Oh my the, oh, I forgot about that. I mean I, the, I, I yeah. The the he he brings he brings some other cassette tape to to switch mm-hmm. it out, which I guess makes sense, but really you could just pull it out and never put another tape in, exactly. from what I understand. But like they even let him in that room on the on the in the he lets him they let him in the control room for any reason and like of course he ejects the tape they allow him to get anywhere near that at all uh, and he ejects the tape and of course he puts the fake one in but then then you think oh no all is lost because Jill St John he gives Jill St John the real tape and she thinks that she has to switch it out yeah I don't even know why he even put that tape in in oh well he did because they uh Blofeld made stupidly said hey go ahead and frisk him again I don't know why he just like blurted that out so he mm-hmm. he had to put it somewhere I guess but um 
but he could have just he he doesn't have yeah. to say the the answers behind you or whatever he says yeah, to her exactly when he puts it down in her bikini bottoms he could just say <laughs> keep this with you at all times or whatever well and or she shouldn't be alive either because Blofeld already tried to have her killed and they they killed they killed plenty of tool instead because they made yeah. the mistake so really hmm. it doesn't make any sense why she's still alive like I yeah. guess maybe she maybe just promised them sex or something i don't know I maybe because blofeld does make some comments like like i love those cheeks or those are really nice yeah, cheeks or something. So yeah. I, I get the impression they've had a relationship of some sort mm-hmm. uh but but i fuck if i know it's 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 like you said it's exasperating it's there's I, but it, but like again i i just i can't quite get it at the very bottom because i just i know there's films that, oh it is not at the bottom no. but it's it's in the lower third Yes, yes, for sure. And it's, I think it's, I, I haven't seen Never Say Never Again in forever, but I'm pretty sure this is the worst, in my opinion, of the of the Connery films. I guess we can go and do our rankings, unless there's something else you want to talk about. Nope. All right, so for our rankings, we're going to rank this film in five different categories. Our scale will be based on something that Bond holds near and dear to his heart, as long as they are shaken and not stirred. So for each category, we will rank from one to five martinis, five being the best damn liquid that has ever passed your lips, one being the well liquor you had to settle for, or were too drunk to care that night. And first off, I guess we'll talk about just, which we've kind of been talking about this, but the overall story, the overall movie, this was a, this is about the easiest two, uh, I think I've, I've given yet. <laughs> the easiest what? Because two, I didn't... two out of oh, five, okay. <laughs> two out of um, five martinis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Same here. <laughs> I don't know if there's really much. We've kind of discussed the story. Thank God so. for Kid and Went and Jill St. John, or else yeah. this is a one well, out of five, probably. Yeah, I no, I, I agree with you on that. I will also say, because uh, next we're going to do The Bond, which is Connery's performance. And I will say, one thing going into this, and I don't know if this is just stuff I had heard people say or whatever, but it had been a minute since I had watched a lot of these Connery films, and at least I know I mentioned this in earlier episodes, like it kind of gets to a point where it feels like Connery doesn't really care as much, but I got to be honest, if Connery, along with what you just mentioned, if Connery isn't in this film, I don't know that it works at all. I, I think mm-hmm. it probably is a one. I think Connery's actually okay in this. I, I think it, when he's not good, it has to do with the writing. I don't think it has anything to do with him. Like he's fine. Mm-hmm. It's weird that he seems to have, like we've already said a thousand times, he has like no issue. He he's not he's not suffering or anything, which is mm-hmm. really odd. But that's not Connery's fault. That's the writing, right? So mm-hmm. he's playing the character that they wrote. He's perfectly fine. I don't even know that it's his worst performance. Maybe it is, but I'd still give it a three because mm-hmm. I just he's fine. You know, I, I yeah, I probably should have said this in the last segment, but there is one more ridiculous nonsense that's Go for in this it. movie. Um, when they go to the white house, he and Jill St. John go to the white house mm-hmm. and stay there. And then, and then, uh, Felix goes in and make, tries to make sure that he doesn't leave. Yeah. He puts a, puts, puts out these guards, uh, out, outside of his, uh, door. So he can he can't do anything. So bond goes out onto the <laughs> ledge and he walks straight over where there's an elevator just happens to be there that goes along the side of the building and it goes all the way yep. to the top level uh, where he barely has to kind of crouch down and make sure that, you know, he, he stays up there. Of course, mm-hmm. the elevator leaves and then that's when he's like, without even, he's, this is all seemingly just without thinking. Like, I don't even understand what he's doing here. <laughs> he grabs onto a bar 
while that elevator goes down so that he can stay up there like what <laughs> man just I, I, I he, he, he so he stays up there and then he has like all these gadgets that are yeah. ready to go like these yeah. these these little uh, like um uh zip that's line like, things yeah and, it's like for climbing and stuff yeah right that's you that's what you keep in your suit at all times yeah, this exactly. is where it gets in like this is where it would have made sense of adam west was the bat it was <laughs> well, not batman was bond because because that's what those batman that the batman yeah, show was all about yeah where you have, have, the have somebody pop out the window and talk to ready him they go stuff. yeah um so that whole scene too like just and and the fact that blofeld is expecting bond to show up during that whole thing because yeah. he crashes through what is the bathroom and then like blofeld's like hey uh you know uh you know he was, he's talking as Wal- uh, willard white at the time i keep wanting to say walter white because it's no, just I the do way too. it is uh but he, he he's he willard white's like all right now uh, you got a hog leg on you take that hog leg on. and i'm like sitting man you thought this was possible that he was going to be able to get up to the penthouse however way it was you were ready for this and now you're putting him in an elevator and gassing him and letting kid and went put him in a pipe oh, anyway uh yeah I, I i think this is a two out of five for sure uh it, like these kind of scenes, these insane kind of scenes, mm-hmm. can be great if they make any sense whatsoever. But they, no, they I agree. Don't. I agree. These in a better movie, some of this stuff we're saying the opposite about. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that's two out of five. That's a story. What did you? I mean, what about Connery? Are you giving him a two out of five? Uh, too? Uh, Connery, I, I, I've never really noticed too much difference between yeah, the the performances. I think in the first two. In the first one, he's clearly. I think he's excited to be playing yeah. this role. In the second one, he's 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 like uh, he's living in this role really well. And then after that, he's just kind of comfortable doing this doing this role. So like, I don't think there's any like higher low or or low point here. Like, I think he's a three out of five here. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a borderline one for me. Like, I'd probably be closer to like two and a half. But like, he's. I think he's better here than he actually is in You Only Live Twice. I think he's mm-hmm. a little better here. Yeah. Um, the gadgets. I mean, I don't know. I I I. I that's one thing going into these, and maybe they do play more into it as we get further into this series, I feel like there's a lot more gadgets, especially when we get like with Roger Moore. Yeah. But, uh, I like, I've thought about just taking this out of the rankings because this doesn't ever seem to be that interesting to talk about. But in this one, you have like the mousetrap, which we already discussed. Yeah. Uh, you have the, the, the climbing shit. He's already got ready to go. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's I mean, something else I'm missing. Oh, the voice changer, I guess. Count. But the voice changer isn't. I mean, Q does build one. He's, yeah. And he, and he says some tossed off some line like, "I built one for my yeah. kid last last Christmas, grandson or something." And and like, yeah, I guess that's that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. That grandson ended up becoming the first ghost face. I don't know if you knew that. It's pretty pretty fascinating. Story. Oh wow, that's <laughs> weird. That's amazing. That's crazy. It's so amazing. See what Q did. I know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would give the gadgets like a two out of yeah, five. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I don't know what else to give them because there's just there's nothing that interesting about it. And there really hasn't been. I mean, I guess like maybe there's some stuff like in Goldfinger and Thunderball we've talked about, but I don't know. So far, they haven't been all that exciting. Uh, the villain, this was also a pretty easy two out of five for me. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. I, I do, well, the henchmen actually, I mean, Kid and Kent, all, I, I'm sorry, Kid and Went. I keep wanting to say Kid and Kent. Kid mm-hmm. and Went. They almost bring it up. So maybe this is closer to like a two and a half, but Blofeld mm-hmm. is, and, and nothing against the acting. I mean, Charles Gray's fine. It is nothing. It's just so ridiculous that Blofeld's the villain. It's just yeah. so dumb. Yeah. 
And for that alone, I'm giving it a two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would, I yeah. would also give this a two and it's all on the strength of kid and went. So yeah, the song is definitely uh Goldfinger light. Um, but I don't hate I, the song. <laughs> I don't hate it either, yeah. but this song doesn't do anything for me. No. This diamonds are forever. Like I, I, <laughs> this may be sacrilege for a lot of people to hear, <laughs> but I like this better in the Kanye West song, the the uh, Diamonds yeah. from Sierra Leone, than yeah, I yeah. like in the actual original song. So, <laughs> no, I think uh, you're right. The original song has like a couple of moments where like I can kind of get into this, but for for it it does not have that yeah. same like how Goldfinger comes in. Goldfinger is oh, no. when like that the way that the whole thing, the whole arrangement of that song is amazing, and then yeah. this one is kind of like yeah. All right. Yeah, you got Shirley Bassey back. Good. Yeah, that's it's 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 one hundred percent on Shirley Bassey because there's nothing else interesting about it. But she's good. Like I like her, and mm-hmm. it's uh you know it's fine. I was kind of in that two and a half. I I might give it like a borderline three, but I yeah wasn't. I, I I will settle it two on this one. This yeah. this song is just never done. And, and I think the last time I watched this, I was expecting this to blow me away more too. And and maybe it's the level of expectation I've yeah. set, but. But uh, but it, it just doesn't. It just doesn't do anything. I hear you. All right. So that's our that's our review. So we're going to one last segment where we're going to talk about the book. This is a segment we call Spy Who Reads Me. Reading is one of my very favorite things to do. Whoa, I'm not reading that crap. Summarize it in one word. Now you want to talk about reading? Let's talk about reading. How can you read this? There's no pictures. Cinema Sins might have taught you that books don't matter, but for this segment, we are willing to concede they at least kind of do. We are going to give you the nitty gritty on what is similar to what you saw on the screen, what is different, and there will be plenty of what the hell was Ian Fleming smoking when he wrote this. Although, not in this case. This book is uh, maybe my least favorite so far. It's, uh, but mainly because it's just, it's really dull. Like it's just a, mm-hmm. it's a really dull book. And this is a super, this is a pretty loose adaptation. Um, so obviously the title is the same. The diamond smuggling aspect of it is in the book. Like there's mm-hmm. a, there's a chain of diamond smuggling going on. Uh, they want Bond to figure out what the hell's happening. There's not like a laser space laser shit like that, but mm-hmm. there is diamond smuggling. It's a pretty, it's a pretty, it's probably a lot more in line with what's in license to kill where it's kind of more that eighties idea where you just have like drug smugglers and drug, you know, drug dealers and stuff like that. That's kind of what's going on here. And it has, to, it has a lot to do with like the American mob and hit the main villains are these brothers called the Spang brothers. Uh, Serafimo and Jack Spang, um, they're smuggling blood diamonds from Africa. So that's so he does go undercover as uh, what is the guy Peter? Uh, I think I wrote it down again. Peter Franks. He do, that whole thing happens. He does go undercover as Peter Franks. They uh, they basically kidnap Peter Franks to to make sure that nobody you know, he doesn't end up like he ends up in the movie ends up in the elevator or whatever. Uh, that doesn't happen in the book, but. Uh, Bond goes undercover as Peter Franks. He's trying to get in with the Spang brothers so he can bring them down. And uh, so so some of it's similar, other than, like I said, obviously Blofeld's not the villain because he wasn't even a, he wasn't even a thought, uh, you know, to Ian Fleming. This is the fourth book, by the way, uh, in the series. It's, uh, it's right after Moonraker, right before From Russia With Love in the book series. Uh, most of the supporting characters are in the book. Uh, Tiffany Case is in the book. Shady Tree is in the book. Shady Tree, I don't... He's not like... He's definitely more straight-up mafia, though. There's not like a big, mm. you know, stand-up comedy routine going on there. Uh, they're in it. Uh, 
Kid and Went are in it as well. However, they're barely in it. So they're mm-hmm. they're not anywhere near as interesting. Uh, Felix Leiter is in the book. Uh, however, in Live and Let Die, which was the book... Uh, did I say that was the one right? I guess... I think that was the... I think Live and Let Die is the book number two, which I haven't read yet. Mm. But apparently in Live and Let Die, Felix Leiter gets attacked by a shark, which is what happens in License to Kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is maimed by a shark, and... Um, the CIA has to let him go after that because I guess they just don't, they can't use him anymore because he's been injured. So he's a, he's a Pinkerton detective Mm -hmm. in this book. And Bond actually ends up getting in touch with him because he needs, he needs Felix to help him get closer in with the Spang brothers. There's this whole weird, weird, weird side plot where the mob won't pay, pay Bond as, as Peter Franks, they won't pay him. And so he's trying to like get them to pay him. And there's like all this bullshit about this. Mm-hmm. It end, what they end up doing is they send him to Vegas. This is how he ends up in Vegas. And uh, they have him go play. They tell him to go to this specific table. When he goes there, Tiffany Case is the dealer. And she deals him five winning hands. So that's how they pay him, basically, under the mm-hmm. table. And um, But then he takes that money and he goes to the roulette wheel. And he ends up winning a shit ton more money. This ends up pissing off the mob. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they shoot at him the next day and his driver. They end up kidnapping him. <laughs> they take him <laughs> to this ghost town in Vegas okay. somewhere. And um, uh, that's where one of, he runs into one of the one of the uh, Spang brothers is there and is torturing him and trying to find out all this information and stuff. Tiffany Case comes in and saves them uh, in a really dumb way. Uh, and then Felix ends up rescuing both of them because he figures it out. Like, he just, it's really, it's not, it's not interesting at all. He just, like, like he has, like, this thought or something. He's like, oh, I think they're in this ghost town now. And then he goes and rescues them. It's ridiculous. Oh, all right. Yep. Uh, like I said, the book does have Mr. Went and Mr. Kidd. Uh, but they're seriously minor characters. They, they barely, I, in fact, I had kind of forgotten they were even in the book, but then they do pop up in the end and there is kind of a variation on what happens on the cruise ship or I mean, on, yeah, in the, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is how they try to kill Tiffany case and bond. But then after that, there's a whole sequence where bond, um, he goes back to, a- he goes to Africa and he actually takes down the smuggling operation ends up killing, <laughs> uh, the other, the other Spang brother. Uh, there's also a horse race subplot, which doesn't really have shit to do with anything. But I mm-hmm. thought that was interesting because they definitely go back to that. Uh, they definitely go back to that in a view to a kill. Uh, there's 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 another one too where a horse race pops up. But I, oh, I think it's Quantum of Solace was the other one that was mentioned. Uh, that they 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 take a little bit of this, and that's what we're gonna find out. We get to some of these later Bond films. Uh, they definitely take from a lot of the other. Uh, mm-hmm. the other novels. So this one this one has some stuff in it that's similar, but overall it's it's pretty different. But honestly, the movie's better just in the sense that the movie's not boring. This book is just it's like these have been pretty quick reads for me and this one was a little harder uh uh to get through. I even got to the point at one point where I'm like, am I going to finish this or should I just start looking shit up because I mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just yeah. It was a hard one to get through. So mm-hmm. not not a high recommend for me. But uh that's the one case where I would say the movie's better is is definitely this one. Um so yeah, so that's that's what we thought about Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, you know, it's like I said, it's watchable. I mm-hmm. but but I wouldn't I don't know that I'd recommend it. I mean, there's no reason to skip it necessarily, but 
Uh, and I would say, like, this might be a great, like, you know, just Saturday afternoon background, you know, like, just have some bullshit sure. on. Sure, there's, you're... there are moments in here, there are moments in here that are, that are worthwhile. And look, this movie and You Only Live Twice definitely vie for, like, the worst of the Connery. Yeah, There's yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. Like, yeah. there's... And I think this may have more fun in it than you. Li- you only live twice does. But um, what's interesting is they they have two of the more interesting uh, uh, Bond girls though, which is which is yeah. kind of fascinating, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah, I really like Jill St. John. Like that was kind of uh, like I I didn't I just didn't really have much of a memory of her at all. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like I disliked her, but I just didn't really think about it. But yeah, she really hit me this time too. I thought she was uh, she was I liked that she, you know she was she was just different you know mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. I, I, I love that first scene with them actually where, I mean, it's kind of silly that she's in her underwear and stuff, but, um, yeah. but I just like that, you know, she's how she's figuring out everything and making mm-hmm. sure. I still don't know what, how he had that thumbprint though, or that fingerprint. That's kind of ridiculous, well, but well, uh, Q gave him, no, uh, I know, but I'm just saying, I don't know how that shit works though. I just think that's, I don't either, yeah. but I mean, I'm, assu- <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming because Frank's is already yeah. in the system, they're able to make a, a plastic cast of it of yeah, some sort. Yeah, yeah. I guess and, so. Now it's silly in the movie because that's something that Q thinks of for this particular operation, and then I don't think it ever comes up mm-hmm. again anywhere else in any other Bond movie or whatever that he's got somebody else's fingerprints just in case they go and check a mm-hmm. glass or something. Um, but um, anyway, and oh I mean, by the it, way, there was. Go ahead. Sorry. What? Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, I wonder like if you had Jill St. John and. Uh, kid and went like in thunderball like does mm-hmm. that make that like a you know like a, a a lot better i don't know maybe yeah i don't know but uh but that was i was reminded of there was one other gadget but that didn't have anything to do with the uh mm-hmm. the plot of the movie is when q is using that thing to uh make the slot machines all <laughs> oh, yeah online. yeah no that's cool. and he's winning all the money or whatever during it and i was like oh q that's kind of illegal man what are you doing <laughs> And also, and can he goes I, off can to I that weird one? scene with Jill St. John, like running after Blofeld, who's dressed up as a woman, oh, and God. all yeah, that. So like, many weird things. There's just there's too much to remember. Like it's just it it's the insanity of like every scene in this movie is just right. It's, it's just like it's like cocaine run rampant or something. It or really is kind of like that. Yeah. Also, before we go, we have social media. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter. Uh, we are at GoldSpy007. Uh, you can also reach out to me directly on Twitter. I am at SamLoomis13. You can email us at golddiamonddeath007 at gmail.com. Uh, and if you like this podcast and other things under the CinemaSins brand, we also have a Patreon you can join at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. And if you have a second to leave us a five-star review at your podcast listening app of choice, we would appreciate it. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, and like I said, we hope you will join us again next week. We will talk about live and let die. Uh, until then, keep the martinis dry and shaken, the Baccarat shoe moving, and the Aston Martin fully gassed. This is Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins signing off, and we will see you next mission. Oh, 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 oh.